Thank you for listening to the Streams Church Weekly Sermon Podcast. We are a community that strives to know Jesus and make Him known. If you like our podcast, subscribe and leave us a great rating on Apple Podcasts. Thank you, and we hope you enjoy. Wow, I'm, I'm tired. How many other tired? Are you guys tired? Like, we can go home right now and be all right. You know, I, I tried out for that video. It was after I got this uh, haircut. Yeah, I know. I hadn't, they hadn't seen me in The Chosen yet. I didn't have much of a repertoire. Much of a... <laughs> How many people saw me in that episode, yeah? Did you know, did you notice like everybody just sat? Did you notice that? And you know my, you see my dramatic pause? I saw Jesus. I paused and then I sat down. I sat down better than any other of the 2,500 people that were there. I'll tell you that much. I know. Who knows where I'll be ne- this time next year? <clears throat> I might be the next disciple that they have come in, right? The tall, the tall green-eyed guy. <laughs> that disciple. Um, anyway, yeah, if you haven't watched The Chosen Season 2, Episode 8, I'm in the very last scene. I'm the farthest guy to the left you can go, and I'm about, I'm right behind the Pharisees. So you can see me. Tall guy, got a beard, the whole nine years. So anyway, that's what we're talking about. Um, we're going to continue on about the covenant of God. I love the covenant of God. I've been really blessed by uh, just studying for this and just to be reminded over and over and over and over again that God has chosen to be a covenant God, that I, I want to be a God who makes an agreement with his people, with his creation. And I've put myself in that place. If you think about that just alone, that the God, the creator of the universe, would put himself in that position that you could rebel against him, that you could choose against him because he so desperately wants a relationship with his people, with his creation. And so he put himself in a place that he could be rejected. How many of you put yourself in a place that you could be rejected? Well, that he knew he'd be rejected. And uh, to me, that's powerful, like, because love, pure love, true love, always has a choice. But even in the choices that we make, and we're going to see one more today, God's promise, his covenant, always true. He never goes back. And in the world that we live in today, with all the changes that have gone on, I, I love what you said, Janice, isn't it nice to know there is a God who does not change? His covenant is true. His promises are always true. And so we've talked about, we're going to talk about six different covenants. This is number five. The covenant he made with Adam and Eve. And then he did a reboot. And the covenant he made with Noah, that he would send the rainbow, that he would never destroy the earth again like that. The covenant he made with Abraham when he called out a people group, said, you're going to be now my people. The covenant he made with Moses when he took the people out of slavery and into the promised land. And last week, I think it was, we started on David. And so I'm going to read, instead of reading all about David's covenant, because we've got a lot of scripture we're going to get through today. I'm going to read Psalm 89. Psalm 89 was written by, uh, it wasn't actually written by David, one of the Psalms. It's, uh, Psalms actually means songs. It was written by Ethan the Ezraite, and he was one of the ones during this time that uh, started one of the three choirs. And so he wrote this. This song, Psalm 89.1, says, I will sing of the Lord's great love forever. With my mouth, I will make your faithfulness known to all generations. 
I will declare that your love stands firm forever, that you establish your faithfulness in heaven itself. And you said, I have made a covenant with my chosen one. I have sworn to David my servant. I will establish your line or your lineage forever and make your throne firm through all generations. This was the covenant that he made with David that you will be the king of Israel and through your line, your lineage, I will bring the Messiah and your lineage will be forever because Jesus' kingdom will reign forever. And it's interesting the word that he used for God. It says God swore. He took an oath. He swore that this, con- this, this covenant would happen. And that's called an unconditional unconvi- covenant. In other words, it doesn't matter what you do. I've made an oath. I'm going to do it. Now here's the thing. Today your understanding of that covenant will be put to test a little bit because even when we sin, God still keeps his covenant. And David sinned. And not just sin, he sinned greatly. I'm just going to read this from the screen. Psalm, 2 Samuel 11, 1 through 5 says, In the spring, at the time when kings go off to war, for some reason David sent Joab with the king's men and the whole Israel army, and they destroyed the Ammonites and besieged Rabbah, but David remained in Jerusalem. One evening, David got up from his bed and walked around on the roof of the palace. From the roof, he saw a woman bathing. The woman was very beautiful, and so David sent someone to find out about her. The man said, she is Bathsheba, the daughter of Eliam, and the wife of Uriah the Hittite. Then David sent messengers to get her. She came to him, and she slept, and he slept with her. Going on, it says, then she went back home. The woman conceived and sent word to David, saying, I am pregnant. So David takes another man's wife, commits adultery. She gets pregnant. It doesn't stop there if you read the story. The story is he brings back her husband from the front line and says, go home and be with your wife. So he can sort of uh, make it look like he's the one that got her pregnant. And he's so much a righteous guy. He goes, how can I do that when all my band of brothers are on the front line fighting? I won't do that to him. So he sleeps outside his house. And so David's plan doesn't work. So he actually, when he sends him back, tells the commander to send him to the front lines where the fighting is the fierce so that he will be killed. And David and God made an unconditional covenant with this guy, David. Um, You know, as far as a sort of a one-off sin, I mean, you can't get much, you can't get any worse than that, right? Um, Sin always has repercussions. Um, Romans 6, 23 says, the wages of sin is death. Every time, all the time. In fact, I was looking at the other versions of the Bible, King James Version and the American Standard Version, just to see what they said, the NIV, the NLT. You know what they all say? The wages of sin is death. All of them. Like, if you want to get paid by sin, sin pays. Unfortunately, it pays very well. And it's all about death and destruction. And destruction. What the sad thing is, one night of sin still pays. And you can have years of a great marriage derailed because of one night of sin. 
And Paul preached this in Galatians. You hear me say it often. Do not be deceived. You will reap what you sow. If you sow to your flesh, you'll reap destruction. And there's a reason why Paul preached that so strong. And it's important to our understanding today of this discussion. Because God's promise of salvation, his covenant of salvation, is never affected by your sin. It cannot be reduced. It cannot be increased by what you have done. Now, there's still repercussions for sin, but it's not salvation and grace. Now, hang out with me just a second. I'll get there, all right? Paul preaches this so adamantly, and one of the scriptures he, that we see that in is Galatians chapter 5.1. It says, It is for freedom that Christ has set us free. Stand firm then, and do not let yourselves be burdened again with the yoke of slavery. One of the mistakes that people use when this scripture is this. They think the bondage, the slavery, is sin, and that God has set us free from the sin. Do you know what the bondage about this is? It's really interesting. If you read before the scripture, you read after the scripture. The bondage is this concept, this thinking, that if I fulfill the law, if I do everything that God said in his word, that somehow I'll be made righteous in his sight. Or if I don't do it, like if I abstain or if I do something, that that thinking, that it's in my hands, by my actions, good or bad, that thinking is slavery. It's a bondage. You'll never get it right. You will mess up. And so if you're living in this, this hamster wheel of I've got to do it right, I've got to do it right, I've got to do it right to get God's grace or to please God, fulfill his covenant, I better get it right, it will just drive you crazy and you'll be in bondage. So Paul says, I understand that life. Like, I've been there. I've done this. And so in Philippians 3, you can find this preaching almost in every book that he writes. Because it's so, I want you to get this, because it's so crucial to our understanding of grace and faith. I mean, this is a, the bedrock by which we stand. Paul says in Philippians 3, he goes on sort of this rant because these people are coming in. I'm like a super apostle, and look at me how great I am as I preach. And, and so they sort of diminish Paul. And Paul says, if someone else thinks they have reasons to put confidence in their own flesh, I have more. And he goes through his list. Here's my list. I was circumcised on the eighth day. I'm of the people of Israel, of the tribe of Benjamin, a Hebrew of Hebrews. In regard to the law, a Pharisee. As for zeal, persecuting the church. As for righteousness based on the law, I was faultless. And Paul says, if you want a list, I've got a list. If you think that you can do this, listen to my life. But then he has a conclusion about his list. He says, but whatever were gains to me, I now consider loss for the sake of Christ. What is more, I consider everything a loss because of the surpassing worth of knowing Christ Jesus my Lord for whose sake I have lost all things, and I consider them garbage, that I might gain Christ. All these things I did, all these things I didn't do, I kept, they're garbage. Because salvation and covenant of God does not depend upon doing me, for me doing the right thing. 
But here's the thing is, it isn't stopped by me doing the wrong thing either. That's a bondage as well. That's called condemnation and shame and guilt. The promise to David was unconditional. Your lineage will reign forever. You can't change that. David and Bathsheba. But here's the thing. The son that she gave birth to died because sin has wages, right? We, we, there are repercussions. But the covenant didn't. And so later on, I think it was their third or their fourth son, Nathan, we see, according to Matthew's lineage, that through Nathan, his lineage, David and Bathsheba's third son, through that lineage comes Jesus the Messiah. Even though David had sinned, God fulfilled his covenant through David. And the reason is, and we read this in two places in scriptures, is because David had a heart after God. He was a man with a heart after God. It was a matter of the heart. So you can't, you can't work your way into grace, and you can't sin your way out of grace. Because salvation was, that covenant was, all sins have been forgiven at the cross of Jesus Christ. All sins. Past, present, future. Because grace is that amazing and that powerful. And grace is a matter of the heart. The covenant is unconditional. Christ died for all the sins of the world. The ones you committed before you believed and the ones you committed after you believed. In the same way that you cannot earn grace by your action, you cannot sin your way out of his grace. Why then do we even try not to sin? That's the question, right? That's the question Paul had to answer all the time. Like, if that's true, right, then why in the world will we not sin? Like, why do we even we fight that fight? And I'm going to give you two reasons. Because what? Sin always brings destruction in relationships, in families. Right? It brings destruction. That's the wages of sin. Um, the other thing is this. A tree is known by its fruit. I don't know if you knew that. So Paul, when people keep pushing against him, like, Paul, if you preach this, people are going to go around sinning all the time. Christians are just going to go for it. And Paul says this, basically, there's, there's a difference between the act of sin and the sinful nature. If you read through the New Testament, you'll see this. There's an act of sin, this sin, that sin, I mean, things that we can all, but then there's a sinful nature. In other words, there's a nature by which our thoughts, our hearts, our passions, our actions, they come out of that very being. And so, back to Galatians 5, okay? After he says, don't, don't try to please God in this bondage, right? Don't get into that. He then says this, he goes, when you follow the desires of your sinful nature, the results are very clear. This is the NLT version, sorry. Sexual immorality, impurity, Lustful pleasures, idolatry, sorcery, hostility, quarreling, jealousy, outbursts of anger, selfish ambition, dissension, division, envy. Boy, it's a long list, isn't it? Drunkenness, wild parties, and other sins like these. Let me tell you again, as I've said that before, anyone living this sort of life, a life that's driven by the desires of the flesh, will not inherit the kingdom of God. Why? Because a, a tree is known by its fruit. But the Holy Spirit produces this kind of fruit in our lives. 
love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. There is no law against these things. Those who belong to Christ Jesus have nailed the passions and desires of their sinful nature to his cross, and they crucified them there. Since we are living by the Spirit, let us follow the Spirit's leading in every part of our lives. Let us not become conceited or provoke one another. Paul says it's easy to really know where a person stands, where they're at in their heart, because out of you know, this living, you're either living by the nature of the flesh or you're living by the leading of the Spirit. That doesn't mean you mess up, but there's something in you. When David was confronted with his sin, what he did wrong, because he had a heart after God, it humbled him. He immediately repented. There was something in him that switched and said, I get it. What I've done is wrong. And there's something in him that switched. Right? His heart was right. And that doesn't mean that we don't go along in life and, and do something wrong, but there's something in our heart because we're being led by the Holy Spirit Something switches in our heart immediately and says, you know what, that action was wrong. I'm going to nail those desires. Those things that sort of try to war with me, they died on the cross with Jesus. And he forgave them all. Um, remember the story when Jesus was going into the temple with his disciples and he passed by a fig tree and he was hungry. The scripture says he was hungry. So he went over to the fig tree to grab a, grab a fig, and what happened? There was no figs on the tree. So he cursed the fig tree, and I think it was the next day they're walking by, and the disciples were, oh my gosh, they saw the tree, and it was withered up and, and not there. And, and, and Christ just says, every tree brings forth fruit of its kind. And so when you go to a fig tree, right, you know it's a fig tree because there's figs on the tree. I see some of you nodding. Very good. You're, you're with me. You're tracking. Right. If you go to a Palo Verde tree, guess what? There are no figs on a Palo Verde tree. There are thorns. <laughs> I have a couple in my house, right? There are thorns on a fig tree. He goes through the same thing, and this is a lot of scripture, but I think it's so important. Romans chapter 8, which is, is such a powerful portion of scripture. There was a time when I was young, I had the whole chapter memorized. This is the New Living Translation. So now there is no condemnation for those who belong to Christ Jesus. No condemnation. And because you belong to him, the power of the life-giving spirit has freed you from the power of sin that leads to death. The law of Moses was unable to save us because of the weakness of our sinful nature. So God did what the law could not do. He sent his own son in a body, like the bodies we sinners have, and in that body, God declared an end to sin's control over us by giving his son as a sacrifice for our sins. He did that. So that the just requirement of the law would be fully satisfied for us who no longer, who no longer follow our sinful nature, but instead 
we follow the Spirit. Those who are dominated by the sinful nature think about sinful things, but those who are controlled by the Holy Spirit think about things that please the Spirit. So letting your sinful nature control your mind leads only to death. But letting the Spirit control your mind leads to life and peace. For the sinful nature is always hostile to God. It never did obey God's laws, and it never will. That's why those who are still under the control of their sinful nature can never please God. But you, listen to this now, you are not controlled by your sinful nature. You are controlled by the Spirit if you have the Spirit of God living in you. And remember that those who do not have the Spirit of Christ living in them do not belong to Him at all. And Christ lives within you. So even though your body will die because of sin, the Spirit gives you life because you've, made right, you've been made right with God. The Spirit of God who raised Jesus from the dead lives in you. And just as God has raised Christ from the dead, He will give life to your mortal bodies by the same Spirit living within you. Therefore, because you know all these things, that's what therefore means, because you know it all, dear brothers and sisters, you have no obligation. You have no obligation to do what your sinful nature urges you to do. For if you live by its dictates, you will die. But if through the power of the Spirit you put to death the deeds of your sinful nature, you will live. For all who are led by the Spirit of God are children of God. So, you have not received a spirit that makes you fearful slaves. Instead, you have received God's Spirit when He adopted you as His own children. And now we call Him Abba Father or Daddy. For his spirit joins with our spirit to affirm that we are God's children. That's powerful. If you got a mind that can still, I don't have that mind anymore. If you can memorize things, you should memorize that. So here's the problem. How do we get believers to stop sinning? <laughs> All right? Um, I tell you what, it's not through condemnation, shame, and guilt. Um, I had a guy come to streams once. I don't know why. It's like the first thing I met him, he goes, the first thing I met him, he goes, you don't preach in this church that I have to give 10%, do you? Because that's the law. Like, well, <laughs> no, I don't preach that. I mean, I preach living by the Spirit, following the Spirit. And then later on I thought, why in the world would he even ask that question? Because he's been to these churches where there's this, this sort of shame and guilt and condemnation that's been passed on to people. And to me, I'm bothered that pastors or preachers feel like they have to do that, and I'm bothered in, that they would have to do that. Because when I came to faith, I was so overwhelmed by grace. I mean, I really was. It was like the unconditional love of a father was, wow, I had never felt that before. And so when somebody came to me and said, you should give 10%, I'm like, okay, why not? Like, I just get it, right? It's all yours, God. And man, I wouldn't have anything without you. So there's two ways to approach everything that we see in God's word. It's either like out of the leading of the power of Holy Spirit, understanding grace so much, my heart responds 
or judgment and condemnation and shame. And the person who lives by judgment and condemnation and shame, that's their motivation. Guess what? Right? That's a bondage. That's what Paul says. You want to live like that? That's a slavery. That's a bondage. When somebody has to guilt you or condemn you or shame you into action. So I told him I wouldn't preach that way. Because here's the thing is, when you start using <laughs> that tactic, right, where guilt and shame, people become calloused, and you have to escalate that. Like the next time, it's got to be more. So instead of the five-minute offering call, now it becomes a 10-minute offering call. You've been in those churches, right? I've been in like 20 to 30-minute offering calls. I mean, I've been in them where it's like, they were really going in. You have to keep escalating, and it's a vicious cycle no matter who you're dealing with. So parents... Right? Don't try to shame or condemn your kids into obedience, right? Like, eat your Brussels sprouts or, your, or peas or broccoli or any other weird green vegetable. Like, eat those. Think about, <clears throat> you're talking to your six-year-old. Think about the starving orphan kids in the streets of some big city in India. Think about those kids, right? I know you're six. Then you get out your phone, right? And you go, Siri, show me poor kids in India, right? Like, Look at those kids right there. They would love to have your Brussels sprouts. Like those kids would love to have that. Eat your Brussels sprouts, right? The problem is next week you're going to do something, you're gonna have to like a, do something bigger. You're going to have to show a slideshow of neglected puppies with Sarah McLaughlin, you know, singing, on the wings of an angel, something like that, where these kids are like, my heart is broken. Those dogs would eat your peas in a second, right? You have to keep escalating. You can try to shame them into eating broccoli, or you can just pour a bunch of cheese on it. <laughs> Come on, that's a good illustration. <laughs> a little cheesy, a little cheesy. <laughs> and see, it's, I think the heart of God's that way, right? He says, I'm no longer going to put a law on you. That's slavery. I'm just going to pour a ton of grace over you. And a ton of love over you. And I think in that motivation, if you understand the grace of God, you won't want to live by your sinful nature. You want to walk in the Spirit. See, it's a matter of the heart. And so if, if you're caught up in that sinful nature, I'm not going to tell you to try harder. I'm going to sit down with you and say, let's talk about this. Let's talk about Jesus and God's love and his sacrifice and forgiveness and, and how he thinks of you as a child of his. And the covenant is unconditional. He didn't just sort of forgive a little bit of sin. He forgave it all. And if you'll understand this, You'd be motivated by grace. It's a matter of heart. So David sins greatly. But he has a heart after God. And his covenant is unconditional. And through him, through his lineage, comes the Messiah, Jesus Christ. And the reason many of you struggle right now is because you're trying to stop yourself by a lot of shame and a lot of guilt and a lot of condemnation. That doesn't work. That's, that's bondage in itself. It doesn't work 
And when you do that, you believe in your heart that you can actually earn God's salvation. And in your heart, you believe the promise is conditional upon your behavior. And the answer is to understand that Christ died for all of your sins, past, present, and future, and to take those, those nagging things and to nail them on the cross and say, you died for this. I've, I've uh, done that also in looking in the mirror. I mean, every day if I get up, I'm like, Lord, I know you died for Anything that was sort of nagging me, and through life I just keep nailing and nailing and nailing and saying, it's the love and the grace of Jesus Christ. Isn't that the way we want our marriages to be too? Like we, we respond because of love? Don't we want our children to respond because of grace and love? Sin always has consequences. That's not the point. The point is this. If it's by grace you are saved, it's not of yourself, and it's by grace you are saved, and it's not by yourself. And to, that, to me, is amazing <laughs> and unrelenting and overpowering and overwhelming. That's amazing grace. I want you to stand with me today, and I want to pray for a couple of different people today. I want to pray for those who you are held in bondage because of shame and guilt and the things that you have not done correctly or that you've done wrong. And there's a bondage there that Jesus wants to set you free from. And there are those who are singing here today who haven't really received God's grace because you think you've got to get something right first. And that's a bondage, and that's a slavery. And there's some here that live life trying to please everybody all the time because of the way that you were raised and that's a bondage, and that's a slavery. And I want to ask that God will set you free. 